warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Attention, listeners. Radio Free Hipster is the internet's home for nerdcore hip-hop. Nerdcore used to be just a made-up word. MCs shied away from belief. Rest Geek Rock. I got a message from the Great Lakes Avengers. They offered me a membership, but I did not accept it. They're a walking disaster. Chiptunes. VGM. Bootleg remixes. I was a terrorist since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine. A veritable celebration of nerd music and culture. Yours free, twice monthly at hipsterplease.com. Dig that shit. Nerdlinger. Listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. What's up? This is MC Lars, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show. You can take away my spaceship. You can take away my space suit. You can even take away my space lasers. But you can never, ever. Take away my space game. There's no stopping me. Postmodern player, sample tastic, flows ecrastic. I get drastic. Hey, watch the plastic. Yo, I name check and leave you drown in space. Ooh, black player of the future. Watch me go. Sith girls scream when they hear my flow. These alien chicks reproduce with sports. So why go where no MC has gone before? Hey, Fry, look, we can still be friends. I won't ask Leela out again. Sci-fi, I try, I fly solo. Shoot your land speeder up just like Bolo. What's with Lars and what's with his name? Never mind that ish, cause I got space game. Dark Maul can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Above a fat can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Vader can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Space player blowing up like dynamite. Dr. Smith can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Q can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Even hell can't stop me. I'm a fire tonight. Because I've got space game and it feels alright. 2112, all the players play on. Everyone bumps Rush in that Tom Sawyer song. I took the red pill and high five Neo. Hey, what should I sample? If it sells big deal. No Morpheus look. You're a real cyberpunk But your friend Trinity has junk in the trunk And I'm from Mars and she's from Venus She has ovaries and I have a lightsaber Cause I get more play than Captain Kirk He found out and went berserk like a jealous jerk But no puny 
Vulcan death grip can paralyze me. I said, beam me up, Scotty, and then I got free. Princess Leia said that my flows are tight, so I said, I suppose she can spend the night a long time ago in the galaxy far away. MC Lars got the space stage play. Demon Gods can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. Magneto can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. Even Zod can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. Don't even try to bite the sun. Mr. Spock can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. The Wrath of Khan can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. The board can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. Because I've got space game and it feels alright. Yo, DJ Hal, bring that beat back. I'm sorry, Lars. I'm afraid I can't do that. So what can you do? I can play this awesome guitar solo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 48 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty good. How about yeah, you? I'm not too bad. Good. I'm rocking good. out to a, a little more MC Lars. A little extra MC Lars. Exactly. As promised, we've got our second episode of MC Lars this week. Also, an interview is in the can with the man himself, so we'll be checking that out a little later, but right now, we're listening to a little space game. Indeed. Because you cannot take away his space game. You cannot. Try as you might. So what's going on? Dude, it's all about the water. I I went to go get in the water this afternoon, do my usual, eat lunch, and then swim in my pool. Okay. And I get out there, I've I've got a plate full of lunch. I look, and there's a dead blue jay, like a blue jay just doing a total Natalie Wood in my <laughs> swimming pool. Okay. Wings are all spread out, so damn, I don't know. It just it just kind of wrecked the lunch and wrecked the whole idea of swimming after lunch. It was like going on vacation in the Gulf of Mexico right now. <laughs> I just, I wasn't into it, so I... I fished the bird out, and I, I did not go swimming. Were you able to fish it out right away, or did you fumble the net with it for a little while and then go talk to somebody else and then <laughs> try to do a study on the best way to get the jay out? At did, first I asserted did you that try the to... bird wasn't quite as dead as, as it seemed, you know. but then I, you, I eventually... Did you uh, put out any displacement booms to keep the, the, <laughs> the bird in the corner? I, I attempted to, however, feathers did wash up on several sensitive areas of my pool. Can you believe how long that's gone on? We've never had, I don't think, a, a current events news story last more than one bone bat. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> when something lasts long enough for us to talk about it twice, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. Right. I mean, I haven't seen this much hapless, incompetent wrangling with a pipe since the first time you had sex. <laughs> you were there? I heard oh, about it after right. the fact. It was in the news. It was in all the papers. Sorry about that. Siskiyou Daily Napkin. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you really just say that? No. So here's, let me talk, because it, it's all about the water. I'm having water issues. I, I could not swim today because I was grossed out by the dead bird. My business partner, he's got this rather new house, and he's told me about this house, and it makes no goddamn sense to me. It's a two-story monstrosity with a sizable attic, and in the attic is a water heater. Okay. Now, where I live, my water heater, since water heaters every once in a while just sort of blow up and leak all over the place, is in the lowest point of the house. 
Were my water heater to blow up, I would lose the down the area that flooded last time. My house flooded, but it would not rain down from above. I don't understand water heater in the attic. Anyway, my partner, he crashes out on the couch at like three in the morning, downstairs, first floor. He is awakened by water raining down upon him from the ceiling. Oh, you're kidding! Oh no, his water heater blew like in the attic. And somehow was going all the way down to the first floor and raining on him and the couch and stuff, which sucks beyond suck. But on the other hand, who puts a water heater in the attic? Yeah, I, I guess that's common in some places. I've never heard of that. Wow. The only reason I've heard of that before is when I put the whole house fan in my house, they kept asking me like, well, do you have a water heater in your attic? Is there yeah, any what? sort of like reasoning for doing that? Getting water to the rest of the house? I think if you have a big house like he has, like you have multiple water heaters and that one does the upstairs bathrooms and stuff, I don't get it. But here's the other thing. In Texas, I guess there's some sort of insurance law that, unlike California where you buy your home insurance, water damage is included. In Texas, if you want water damage included on your home insurance, you have to buy a separate policy. Oh, wow. So he's hosed, no pun intended. So he's hosed. He didn't buy that rider. So not only did he have a water heater in his attic, he didn't have insurance for what happens if you have water uphill from the rest of your stuff. That's brutal, man. Dude, yeah. It sucks to be him. It sucks to be him. So, Bone Bat Show listeners, if for some bizarre reason you have a water heater in your attic, make sure you're insured for water damage. That is the lesson of this story right there. Good to know. And if you have a dead bird in your pool, you know, <laughs> swim the next day. So, I mean, out of that, do you have anything this week that pisses you off? (laughs) Yeah, you know what pisses me off? Let me tell you what pisses me off, since I'm already talking. I went camping over Memorial Day weekend with a bunch of my friends or a bunch of us old bastards that have children now. And I took my children. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun. I got a little tube of these glow stick things, not the... Not the ones that's a solid stick, but the kind you bend and crack and you can make it like into a very tiny necklace or, you know, make it a circle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Okay, so I got like 10 or 12 of those little things. They're like the size of pixie sticks. But I figured when it's nighttime and the kids are all running around, you know, I'll bust these out, give the kids every little glow thing. They can go nuts. So, sure enough, night falls. 80 gazillion mosquitoes swarm around us. And I bust out these little things. And I start handing them out to the kids. And they're, they're all happy. Oh, yay. You know, I got all, that. all of a sudden, the kids zoom away from me. They want nothing to do with me. They're running over to my friend, who happens to own a toy store. And she's got the same thing I brought, except about 40 times bigger. And she's handing them out by the fistfuls. Like they're hula hoop size glow stick things. I'm standing there with my like little six inch glow stick pieces of crap and she's handing out these glowing hoses. That happens to me like every 4th of July. We go over yeah. to Julie's mom's and I'll buy like, you know, the 40 or $50 box of fireworks to shoot off. And inevitably, the people across the street have like... $4,000 invested in serious Boom City fireworks, <laughs> and I end up looking like an absolute cheese ball. No, here, come on, kids, do one more sparkler. Come on. It's a sparkler. It's fun. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't wait. 
Well, you know what pisses me off? What pisses you off? So I'm not usually the one to buy shampoo around the house, right? (laughs) But last week, I I go to the store. I stop at the store because we're running out of shampoo, and I pick up some kind of shampoo. I sort of remember reading way back in the day in Consumer Reports that Pert was supposed to be, like, one of the highest-rated shampoos. So I buy this shampoo. Yeah, Pert. You know, like, like your nipples. Anyway, that's pert. <laughs> oh, okay. No, pert would work as well. That's suppose. Anyway, so I, I get the shampoo and start using it, and it's like totally fucking my hair up. My hair's all like jacked up and clumpy and it's sticking out funny. <laughs> and it's just totally fucked up. And so I, I, I'm like reading the bottle, and it starts to occur to me. I'm looking at these other bottles of conditioner sitting there, the Julie, because I try to use conditioner to try to salvage the thing. And it dawns on me, okay, so you've got these different conditioners for, like, greasy hair, and for dry hair, for regular hair, for permed hair, whatever. And it occurs to me that it's all a big scam, that the shampoo companies fuck up your hair with the shampoo, so you have to use the conditioner to fix it. <laughs> it's a conspiracy, man. God. I, and on top I of it, no all my hair is falling out. I don't think that has anything to do with the brand of shampoo you're using. Dude. Maybe it does. You don't know. It could be all part of the conspiracy. I think that's a bunch of shit. Why would shampoo companies, who have no business if you have no hair, do something that would make your hair fall out? Well, it's just collateral damage. That's like the they're Viagra trying people, to make like sure they're trying to make sure that off. I that I rinse rather than repeat twice. <laughs> rinse rather than repeat. <laughs> rinse, rinse lather. Yes, Dan rather. Rinse rather, rinse, lather, and repeat, and use conditioner as well. I'm telling you, dude, it's conspiracy. Here, the other thing that pisses me off, so the other day I go to lunch at Taco Bell, and I pick it up, my normal stuff, and there's a big sign in the window that says that Taco Bell is now selling, with their certain lunch specials, Doritos. All right. A restaurant that makes fucking chips on the premises is selling chips that it buys in a bag from somebody else. Maybe they make Doritos at Taco Bell. They do not. You've never been to a Dorito factory. They're from Frito-Lay, dude. It's not even the same company. Isn't that weird? Maybe it's all like owned by Halliburton, ultimately. Doesn't that seem weird to you? That if you're already making chips, why would you buy chips from somebody else? Because Doritos have as much to do with actual tortilla chips as, I don't know, as something has to do with something else that doesn't really have anything to do with it. So I'm the only one who's annoyed by this. This doesn't bug you at all. No, I can't remember the last time I went into a Taco Bell and I really didn't, wouldn't care if they were selling pre-made tacos from Green Burrito or any other or Baja Fresh. I, I don't right. care. Let Taco Bell do what they want. All right, never mind. Leave Taco Bell alone. <laughs> I want them to bring that big fire pit back. I, I want to go back to Taco Bell when they actually had a flaming liability pit in the front <laughs> of every restaurant. That was cool. Those were indeed the days. Those were the days. You have to go all the way up to Medford, Oregon if you want a Taco Bell. Big fire pit out there. Yeah. All right. Quick update on the Bone Bat Film Fest, dude. Yes, the Bone Bat Film Fest. So uh, we've got everything locked in. We're printing the tickets, postcards, and posters this week, and we'll be distributing those. I'm gonna and take they a, look awesome. I'm going to take a big pile of those to Crypticon in Seattle. I'm heading over there uh, next weekend, so that's going to be pretty awesome. The uh, one big horror convention that we have here in Seattle each year. And uh, we've got a full slate of sponsors lined up. I think we've already mentioned all of them. Got uh, Mac and Jacks are going to be providing some fine brew for us to drink. We're going to have Flying Saucer Pizza is going to be selling pizza at the event. 
We got beer and pizza. Prizes coming from Scarecrow Video, Games and Gizmos, and the Comic Stop. Uh, we're also uh, swapping promotions with Field of Screams and are going to have a couple of tickets to give away from them. And uh, Indie Flicks is running our, uh, you know, win your way onto the bill uh, contest. So we've got all kinds of great stuff. And last but not all, GT Printing Equipment, who's helped GT making it, printing equipment. Helped making it all possible. So thanks again to all our sponsors and uh, get your tickets now. Uh, We'll be delivering the tickets for the local folks uh, next week that I know of. And uh, now you are delivering those personally. I am hand-delivering them. Naked, right? Well, that is open to negotiation. I think there needs to be a delivery fee. Right, I'll have to sure. buy, like, socks or something. Yeah. I can't so walk you'll have to have, like, put a dollar in your G-string or something. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be something. Anyway, so uh, tickets are on sale at Bonehand.com. Pick yours up now. We will sell out. We are not announcing it yet, but we've got the first feature locked in. So stay tuned to that for details. We're still looking at a couple of others, and we've got a bunch of shorts that are trickling in. So uh, this thing's going to happen. We are trickling in our shorts, although we could use <laughs> more short trickling. So yeah. So if, if you, you have got a short film and it's funny or it's scary or, best of all, it's funny and scary, send it in, man. Absolutely, yeah. We'd love to see it. And How much does it cost to enter a film? In the con- in the- not a thing. Not a dime. Not, not a, a thin dime. dime. Absolutely free. So what do you free got to exposure. lose? So that's the Bone Bat Film Festival, uh, September 2nd at the Big Picture Theater in Redmond. Be there September those Redmond, Washington. So uh, speaking of Crypticon, I actually sat down with Eric Morgret, the programmer, and he gave me a little preview of what to expect uh, on June 18th through the 20th. So let's uh, give a listen to that. All right, this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here with Eric Morgret, the programmer for Crypticon Seattle. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, at, at uh, this present moment. We're about 10 days from the big event. Really looking forward to it. I had a fantastic time last year. We got some uh, covered it in episode 27 of the Bone Bat Show. Got some great interviews with folks like Doug Jones and Tom Atkins and uh, Tim Seeley, the uh, comic artist of Hackslash, and had a great time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, this year's event. So, what do you got going on? We've got a lot going on. We um, last year uh, we had basically I had two rooms for programming. This year I have eight, <laughs> so uh, a lot more going on. We've got uh, one room devoted almost entirely to films. Actually, we have two rooms mainly devoted to films. A varieties are panels about films or panels with filmmakers that want to show bits and pieces. We have uh, a reading room that's running most of the time. The writers reading their works that's running most hours until it closes a little like early evening but it's running all the time otherwise mm-hmm. panel rooms we've got a live action interactive I guess he call it a LARPing live action role playing game with mm-hmm. zombies where people play a team that's trying to figure out why Crypticon's been infected with <laughs> zombies and, uh, Eric Pope from um, who's done a lot of we did Red, White, and Blue uh, Red, White, and Dead Giant Dead, zombie. white, and blue, wasn't it? Dead, white. The big zombie walk in Fremont last year. It's getting close, man. Crypticon's <laughs> killing But yeah, they're looking to break that record again. So he's going to be there at Crypticon running, helping to run this and doing a zombie walk. <laughs> well, I've noticed so, you seem to have, a, there's a little more of a focus, too, on uh, horror fiction writers this year as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've got, I think we have 32 writers. Yeah, it looks like it. And they're constantly doing readings and uh, panels and all kinds of great yeah. stuff. A couple returners. Uh, John Skip and Cody, Cody Goodfellow are coming back. We've got Nick Mamatas and a lot of nice local guys and ladies and a lot of other writers. There's even an event at Barnes & Noble and Everett the night before that will have some of these people showing up just to do some signings and stuff. Of course, F. Paul Wilson. Oh, very cool. It's our big name. For the with the for the writers this year, mm-hmm. uh, he is he's great. He basically came to us and said, "Give me this, book me on stuff." <laughs> so we've got doing a lot of stuff. Let's say I call it a secret screening because technically the movie's not available in the U.S. But he did an audio commentary for a particular '80s movie based on one of his films that he wasn't real keen about. <laughs> he got that, so we're going to be running that with the movie on Saturday with that, and then. Of course, fashion shows. We had two fashion shows. Mm. We had one Friday night. I'm just—I went off from writers there. <laughs> no, it's, you've got a lot of great stuff lined up. So please talk about it. Hey, we've got the fashion shows. There's a fetish fashion show on Friday night, which is late night. I'm sorry, it's 18 and over only. Mm. The regular big fashion show is Saturday night, which integrates with the costume contest. So those will be going on kind of at the same time. That'll be really interesting, crazy stuff. Makeup contest where the makeup's being done on site right in the vendor's room so you can watch the makeup people do their makeup when you also isn't there is it friday there's a how-to zombie makeup panel did i see that yeah, that's pretty cool especially with you know we've got the big zombie walk coming up again in uh, july and also with zombie con in the fall i mean there's going to be a lot of uh yeah. you know stuff that you can do by attending a panel like that oh yeah exactly It'll be good stuff with that of course friday you mentioned friday night which of course is our Radio 8 Ball. Now tell me, I've been wondering, I'm not familiar with Radio 8 Ball. What is that? It's fun. Uh, last year we uh, we have this annual thing we do in October called Slashaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had this performance of this dude who's up there and he's interviewing people and they pick a name, or excuse me, they pick a number and they ask a question. And then that number coincides with songs. And he has a musician there who sings the song. And then they re- that answers their question. <laughs> Terrible that sounds pretty cool. Music and eight That'll be with all kinds of number and Street. We've got Robert England coming in through Skype video. Oh, cool. Um, so, and I've seen the, the screen that Andres Jones, who's also Nightmare on Elm Street alum, who runs Radio 8 Ball. The screen he uses is huge. So that'll be not Heather Langenkamp will be there live. She's actually at the convention along with most of the Dream Warriors mm-hmm. and several other Nightmare on Elm Street along. Uh, they are just packing <laughs> it in. So that will be a lot of fun on Friday night. With, oh, and the, the, later on that evening, the Gorgor Girls mm-hmm. will perform as part of that fetish fashion show thing. So. Okay, cool. A lot of great stuff, man. <laughs> yes, yes, there will be. <laughs> and of course, so, the vendors room. Right. Well, with eight rooms full of stuff, you have so much, so much stuff. What are like one hidden gem a day that you would say do not miss? Radio Eight Ball on Friday. Plus, there's before that, there's um, a preview panel. This new one called Spaceship Terror that's coming out. That's been getting a lot of pretty solid press. That should be interesting. Um, the there's a also on Friday, I'm trying to kind of go in by time, none of, okay. the, none of these interfere with each other, about script writing. 
writing a script in horror. And I know John Skip will be helping with that, and a guy from California, or from, me, from Portland, who does a lot of movies with Gravestump, and uh, Kelly Young from Strange Eons, who really are really good with scripts. He really knows what he's talking about. So that'll be fun. Um, and Radio 8 Ball, and then the fashion show after that. And then Radio if you can't find something to do at Crypticon, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. No, Saturday is, uh, there's the F. Paul Wilson thing I was talking about. Uh, Chris Alexander is doing a talk about the future of Fangoria, which I don't know if you've ever heard an interview with him, but he is not subtle <laughs> and has no problem telling what he exactly what he thinks about where Fango's been for years and where he plans on taking it. And if the first few issues of Under His Watch are any indication, it's looking really good. Well, I'm looking forward to that panel as somebody, you know, any horror fan our age grew up with Fango. And so, you know, to, to kind of hear his take on things, that's, I think that's going to be a really cool thing to check out. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, that night, one of our most popular panels last year, and Chris is involved in this too, but Sean the Smith, Sean the Butcher Smithson ran this panel last year called 10 Horror Films Every Horror Fan Should See, but probably hasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal choices were amazing the films he recommended i was happy to go yay i've seen most of them but they were all but they were still really obscure and fantastic choices so i'm really interested to see what it, the only one i've seen so far that he's given me the name of i haven't seen i know nothing about so i'm like okay this is good and then after that they're going to actually play one of those films oh cool and um oh speaking of films too after 10 or 11 o'clock at night most of the panel rooms have shut down except for dances mm-hmm. and then we run late night films. We have a bunch of local films from Bellingham, from the Seattle area that we're running through the weekend, and some of those will play then. Another big event, of course, on Friday, Saturday, is the dance. Mm-hmm. Stalker Farms, Field of Screens, putting together a phenomenal dance. Live DJ, video screens, all kinds of cool stuff. So that, and they're decorating the room really over the top. Sounds. <laughs> and that starts right after the costume contest and um, fashion show. Cool. All right. Sunday, of course, is Father's Day. So do you have any more family-oriented programming on for that day? Most of the programmings are relatively family-friendly. Um, the, some of the movies are definitely not, especially some of the late fight films. Right. Absolutely not kid-friendly. <laughs> uh, but the, there is a panel on uh, Sunday, How to Introduce Your Children to Horror and Family-Friendly Horror Events. That's on Sunday along with the Nightmare on Elm Street panel, which will have all those Nightmare on Elm Street people there to talk to. And Tommy and uh, Heather Langenkamp have eight documentaries that they both made that they'll be talking about on Saturday, so there's that going on as well. There's an art show that mm-hmm. runs most of the weekend. Uh, it's just got a, a room dedicated to it, so whatever. So it's this is the kind of thing you can pop by in between other, other panels and things yeah. that you're checking out? Yeah, like the vendor room. You can go down there anytime look through the mounds of vendors there's a lot of <laughs> cool it sounds like there's there's more than enough to keep uh, any good horror fan busy so this is uh, June 18th 19th and 20th uh, you guys moved to Everett this year right excuse me yeah we had, uh, had a big problem with last year's the Seattle Center there's no hotels in the area there's nothing really really close so and there's no there's some bars but there wasn't it's not the right there. I mean, this year we have two cash bars running all the time <laughs> that aren't part of the hotel. They're in our rooms, in our uh, uh, event rooms. And um, 
So that's much easier. This hotel is free parking. Mm -hmm. The hotel is a special rate. They're not $50 off the room, so the room's are like 99 a night. Oh, that's great. Um, and they are... It's a really nice place. It's a nice hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right off the freeway, within walking distance from the train depot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, there is one question we always ask every guest on the Bone Bat Show. Eric, what pisses you off? <laughs> uh, sorry, answer a question I got not too long ago, some other interviewer for something I don't remember. <laughs> but um, the since we're talking horror and we're talking movies a lot, one thing that really annoys me with film is filmmakers that assume they're smarter than the people they're making the movies for. And so they dumb them down too much. Yeah. That would definitely be. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I, there are a lot of times where I don't like to be spoon-fed. This is what this means, you know, like the narrative heavy-handedness, right. which really rubbed me the wrong way as well. So well, It's like Lost. I didn't have a problem with the ending of Lost because it's a hugely ambiguous show with a really ambiguous ending. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it fit with the piece, right? That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to seeing what you've got going at Crypticon. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So, dude, yeah. uh, political rant or feedback? What do you want? Give me the feedback. All right. Well, we've got a little feedback. Remember our big Euro... Our, our big Euro show? <laughs> our big Euro list that we did last episode? Where How we, could uh, I forget it? Well, it, it took a few uh, minutes to tell everything we knew about Europe. Yeah, I got a, a letter from Gareth, who is a uh, transplanted Brit living in Canada, and he writes, Evening all, just listened to your latest musings and had a jolly good laugh. Early on in the show, you talked about the European countries and asked about the United Kingdom and immediately said that that must be England. Well, I'm here to clear things up. First good. off, and this is a very common mistake, England and the United Kingdom are not one and the same. England is merely a subset or part of the UK. The official name is, and get ready for this, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Wow. Great Britain equals England, Wales, and Scotland. The UK equals England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. The other important thing to remember is to never call anyone from Wales, Scotland, or Northern Ireland English, or vice versa. Example, hello, I'm from Scotland. Oh, you must be English then. If this <laughs> If this happens, you are likely to get an earful. <laughs> or like a fistful. <laughs> a mouthful of fist. <laughs> no kidding. Hope that clears things up. Cheers, Garrett. So that was very cool of him. So yes, by the way, that was very cool because I, I didn't know that. So thanks, Gareth. I appreciate you uh, dropping us a line. Yes, so thank dude, you. Political rant? Do you have any? Political rant. You, you know, I'm a rantlet, I guess. Barely. This whole freaking Gaza blockade flotilla humanitarian aid bullshit i don't know why i'm the only guy saying this but true what israel did should not have happened in international waters that is a given you can't go boarding ships and shooting people in international waters but the blockade itself had they waited until they're in the territorial waters to do something dude listen bone bat fans I don't care where you are, don't try to run a naval blockade of any country anywhere or you're going to get your freaking boat sunk and you probably get shot full of cannon holes. It's not a good call. These guys were trying to run a naval blockade. Why is Israel blockading Gaza? Because Gaza elected a Hamas government 
that as a matter of course thinks it's a good idea to rain destruction down on civilians and shoot little kids off playgrounds. Dude, you don't want to be blockaded? Quit dropping bombs on people. It's that simple. And I know it's not that simple. There's blame and atrocities on both sides. But really, when it comes right down to it, if Mexico elected a government whose policy was to regularly launch missiles into San Diego, you can bet your ass we'd be blockading Mexico's ports until they shaped up. Same thing with any other country. So get off of Israel's ass for this, okay? And Israel, listen to me here, folks. If you're going to do this shit, don't do it in international water. Let him get a little closer. Did you really have to kill him? Couldn't you just, like, shot the engines out of their boats or something? I don't know. It could have been handled better, but people need to calm down about it. And that is my political rant. But. It's kind of interesting. I was listening to uh, Dan Carlin's Common Sense podcast uh, last week. Oh, and someone who actually knows what he's talking yeah, about? Yeah, he, he was actually, he made the comment that what they should do is actually private sector companies should go into Gaza and build things like apartment buildings because right now the level of poverty is so bad there that people have nothing to basically protect. But if you were to go in and build schools, to spend the same money that you would spend on defense, but use it to build schools and apartment buildings and neighborhoods and parks and things, that the people in Gaza would have something to protect and they wouldn't be so quick to constantly fight. I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting take on thought. it. Although it's a group of people that knowingly, willingly elected this government. Right. But, but it if, seems if, to be it's, it's more important to them to be able to shoot at Israel than it is to feed themselves. Right, but, but you hey, make trying to people, build things in Iran so- or Afghanistan and it keeps getting blown up. Why would this be any different? try to like build a school in Afghanistan and they throw acid in the kids faces and they catch it on fire I, I I just don't buy it it's a completely different mindset that I can't relate to and in fact the humanitarian aid that was being delivered by this flotilla Gaza they rejected it they wouldn't even take it really yeah so what's important to them is not what's important to you and me and you and me say yeah it would be nice if they had oh I don't know infrastructure or places to live or health care food to eat and to them the most important thing is to shoot at the israelites i guess maybe i'm oversimplifying it but it blows my mind yeah yeah expect hate mail in three two wait a minute all right so uh let's kick it over to a tune why don't we check out this gigantic robot kills (laughs) by mc lars Billy built a robot in his parents' garage Because he had a list of problems that he needed to solve He said, I'm sick of the hills Laguna Beach is fake and whack Let's party like it's 96 and bring the horn section back Back before when Stefani started rapping with Pharrell Gas cost 115 and Goldfinger could sell When reality TV wasn't scripted or contrived The brass was fat and bumping and the beats were all played live See, Billy was obsessed with third wave scoff The mighty Boston's real big fish Listen, Jake, he's seen them all He longed for a time when even Bill Clinton played the sax On the White House lawn and kids wore shades and checkered slacks So Billy's is back in the class and laughs With a on his lap with a plan's task To make a giant robot, how's that? And bring the real Orange County back
opened up its eyes, weighing 700 pounds and standing eight foot five with his black coat, white shoes, black hat, said to attack the robot headed to the hills to give those spoiled kids a smack. Chris kept Larry, got my flat, as Billy bumped the aquabats. He ripped out Misha Barton's spines, he cranked safe Ferris and Sublime. He burned down Heidi Montag's home and he blasted the O.C. Super Tones. He screamed while smashing Elsie's head. Scott is not dead. This gigantic robot kills. He's gonna come down the block. He's gonna fire at Bill. He's blasting bullets from his elbows, shooting missiles from his eyes. He's gonna win the day for Billy. Take the O.C. by surprise. He'll make you do the Macarena as you rock your Tamagotchi with your Newton down at Woodstock playing Sega Lottie Dottie. He brought the 90s back and then he freed Tibet. If you can't find this gym on Napster, then the warehouse sells cassettes. He was this robot. So very This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here hanging out with the purveyor of post-punk laptop rap, MC Lars. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you today? Quite well. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Bone Bat Show, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that uh, very nice tribute you did the other day. Oh, you're very welcome. We're glad to do it. Uh, so, going back, I'm a new convert to the, the church of MC Lars, but... Uh, I, I'm kind of wondering, clearly you've been recording for a long time. What came first, the guitar or the mic? The mic. Yeah? But it was not really to record raps. I would do songs like when I was like in fifth grade where I'd bang on my garbage can and, and see how it sounded and record it and then put it in the tape deck. And then like I was just always experimenting with recording because like sound has always fascinated me, you know? Mm -hmm. Was your family musicians, or how did you have access to all the equipment? Yeah, it's weird because neither of my parents are really musicians, but I would save my money and, you know, get Radio Shack tape recorder, when I, you know what I mean? Stuff mm -hmm. like that, and I was always at Radio Shack, and I just kind of just figured it out. Uh -huh. So uh, what would you say if I was going to ask you, what five CDs built MC Lars? What would yeah. you tell me? Uh, I would say I would say Weird Al was a big influence. I'd say off, Weird Al's Off the Deep End. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the Simpsons Sing the Blues album. Really? Yeah, because that's a legendary one. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That one, uh, probably something like um, the Insane Clown Posse's Great Malenko album. Mm -hmm. And uh, King Missile's Happy Hour album. Okay. And then I'd have to say something like Nas, Nas Illmatic, which I think is the best hip-hop album I've ever made, probably. Now, you've talked about that before. I've been kind of reading your comic, and you said something about that that's like the 40 greatest minutes of hip-hop. It is, I would think. I mean, it, it's definitely an album that helped. Every rapper who's come after the album has pretty much like referenced a line from the album somewhere. I, on my song 23, I have the line, um, I don't sleep because sleep is a cousin of death, and that's like, that's Nas quoting Shakespeare. So, yeah, it's a good album. 
So, I guess uh, one of the things that I've noticed when listening to your music is that while you work within rap, the genre is kind of not that meaningful to you. You grab from a lot of places and sources and genres in a way that really only a big fan of music can. Yeah. Uh, how did you come across just trying to pull it all together into one of Malcolm? I mean, I think I've just always just done whatever I wanted. I think I do kind of maybe have undiagnosed ADD. So like I've always been kind of scattered with all my music influences. So I don't know. I just, my whole philosophy has been why try to copy when you can just do your own thing. And I think that it's hard to peg the genre because there are a lot of different influences. Um, but I think my favorite bands and my favorite albums are very um, genre diverse and I think a lot of that also comes from my primary influence as a kid being Weird Al Yankovic and the fact that he would just emulate every other genre. I think that that inspired me a lot when I was like 11 and being like, wow, I want to make music, you know? Yeah, and not only that, Weird Al always had that talent of being pretty facile in a lot of different kinds of music. You know, right. he, can, he, he can cover a lot of different guys and make it sound believable all the time. It doesn't always necessarily sound like a spoof. It's professional sounding music of that genre. Yeah, and he and the thing about Weird Al is he put so much time into the production that you really listen because it sounds good. And I think that has always been an inspiration to me because I've always been interested in artists who put a lot of time and money into creating their sound. Another artist that really inspired me in the mid-90s was um, Trent Reznor and the fact that like he would make these gra Grammy winning records on his Macintosh. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty dope. <laughs> well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we're in a pretty exciting time where, you know, musicians can come out and be creative and record and promote and produce and, and really do a lot of the creation of their music and distribution on their own without having to become an indentured servant to a large corporation. That's yeah. A, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think that it's a really good time if anyone wants to get involved in music and has great ideas and, wa and wants to do the work. It's so cool because now anyone can potentially make a living doing music. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's neat coming from our standpoint where we try to, you know, talk about bands that you might not have heard that we dig. Because if, you know, we just get the word out and then somebody comes to your show or picks up a CD, that's going to keep you making that music. And that's yeah, what exactly. I like to see, you know. I, I want to see more bands out there making great stuff. Well, that's really cool, and thank you for that promotion. And, and it's now, I think it's like there's this shift in culture where music used to be at the center of everything. Now it's not. Now it's kind of like it's a soundtrack, but it's a very diverse, eclectic soundtrack, and, and there's not really one voice. And it's just gotten very interesting because music has taken a different role, but the people who love and respect music, they have these opportunities to share cool stuff. And even though the whole scene has gotten very niche it's for the better because there's just so much more music if you really love music. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, kind of talking about, you mentioned that Weird Al is a big uh, influence on you, and he actually played on your last album, correct? Yeah, it was a real, really great honor to work with him. He plays accordion on this song, True Player For Real, that I wrote with a New York artist from a band called Weedus, and Weird Al came in and played the accordion, and, and it was just really cool because he's been supportive and uh, to be on his radar and having being able he sends me like Christmas cards and stuff like having <laughs> him respect what I'm doing really means a lot as a, as a, as something I someone I really list, looked up to as a kid you know well that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's cool 
And that also brings up one of the things that I really dig about what you've been doing is the sense of collaboration in your music. On every album, you've got Jared Reddick from Bowling for Soup. You've got MC Frontalot. You've got Beefy. You've got a ton of really great musicians, Whitey Cracker, who are willing to come in and kind of cross-pollinate each other's music, and it makes for some really incredible listening. Thanks, man. I, it's really fun to be able to collaborate with a lot of artists that I really respect. And I think that that's all, always been my thing. Like I've always been a, all about the collaborations because I've always, you know, I started out playing in bands and doing that punk rock stuff and playing shows and learning to play guitar. And, and you really had to learn to work with people. And I found that the best results come when you can creatively be inspired by someone else and, and be on the same level and then listen to what they have to say, but also to maintain your own creative vision is important too. So it's an interesting mm -hmm. balance. Being a solo artist is fun because I can work with whoever. If, if, I, if MC Lars were a band, everything would have to be decided on a, as a committee. And I think that would dilute some of the power, you know? So, so are you, these days, do you do a lot of it via email or are you able to get everybody in one room all the time? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I think ideally you get in the room with the person and work with them. This Gigantic Robot Kills was kind of an interesting project because whereas the previous album I'd done was a lot of samples, mm. uh, the Robot Kills record was all pretty much live musicians. So we had, there's probably about 100 people who worked on that CD because we recorded in so many different places. It was kind of incredible, <laughs> all the people and all the places we went, you know? Holy shit, it does take a village, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because the, the song I was thinking of specifically is We Have Arrived. I, I sort of imagined, after listening to that song when I first heard it, I imagine you getting K-Flay's part in the mail and just saying, holy shit, her lines, that just blows my doors off every time I hear that song. Yeah, that song is a lot of fun. G4 is using that beat for a promo, and they had me re-record some lyrics for the Ninja Warrior show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a pretty fun show. We've watched quite a bit of that, actually. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Well, right. no, but you know what? Um, the Digital Gangster album, that was all pretty much done with everyone in the room except for some parts. So that was cool like that because that album was a, was a nice breath of fresh air because we did it in like a week. Whereas Robot Kills had taken like two and a half years, you know? Uh -huh. So I think you feel that energy on... For me, when I listen to the Digital Gangster album, I'm really happy because you get the vibe of it being kind of like a collaborative effort you know mm -hmm. well and I, it also has a, a different feel to it to it in a way because the graduate and this gigantic robot kills both have a lot of kind of the bubbly poppy stuff and while that is present on digital gangster there's kind of a distillation and a concentration on the raps that is very cool about that release thank you yeah i mean that is more that's a hip more of a hip-hop album yeah I mean. absolutely and that's kind of why it's special to me. I want to, I think Bryce and I want to, Whitey Cracker and I want to do a Digital Gangster 2 album sometime soon. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. More Zealous 1, more Beefy, more Schaefer the Dark Lord. You get all those guys again? Yeah, well, yeah, probably new rappers. Oh, cool. Even but, better. But maybe some of the old school guys, because like Beefy right now, he's, uh, he's killing it. Have you heard his new CD? Yes, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's really good stuff. All right, man. Well, what's next for you? I am leaving in like a week plus for this tour with the MC Chris. Yeah, you're going to be hitting Seattle June 1st, I think. Yeah, you should come, man. Yeah, I'm hoping to be there. 
Cool. All right. Well, and no bone bat interview would be complete without the question. What pisses you off, man? Oh, what pisses me off is with the music industry changing, I found there's a lot of like potential for people to be negative about things and, and, and disparaging to other scenes and other people or people who've made it or people who haven't. And I think that for the music world to survive and be what it needs to be, people need to be positive. And I've been guilty of this too, like being negative about certain things. And so it's like, I think what pisses me off is negativity about the music industry when really there's a lot of beautiful opportunities and a lot of people doing really, really good music. And now more than ever is the time to be positive about things like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. That's it. That's what I would say. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight. I really appreciate all right, so uh, we're going to kick over to a song now. Uh, what would you like us to play, man? Um, let's hear 23. This is a song I wrote about. It's a more serious song. It's about a friend of mine from school who, who suffered from depression and he took his life. And we just did a video for this, and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has been supporting and promoting it. It's going to debut on AFSP.org on June 22nd. All right, well, here it is, 23. I don't sleep, cause sleep is the cousin of death. Down the hall, there's a kid that I know. He's kinda quirky, so I say hello. He's so sarcastic, but he's always right. Working on those problem sets late into the night. Mad magazines sit piled by his bed. A million billion thoughts going all through his head. We bike to class in the autumn rain. He tells me that he's fine, but I know he's in pain. Dad, I miss you, dude. It's so hard to say goodbye. And you're a blessed winner. You were tired of the lie. Monoxide in the bathroom, but the door was locked. We were always there for you. You could have called and talked. I felt guilty and alone and so sick when I discovered you did it in Berlin. You just talked to your mother. I guess it was too much. Depression, disillusion. Maybe suicide's an answer, but it wasn't the solution. I wish that you Depression and regression made your life a living hell. The pain was too intense, the fence too strong to break. So you went to Germany, it was too much to take. You came back brokenhearted, distracted by the dream. The worlds collided now, college wasn't what it seemed. You went back to Berlin to find yourself once more. They broke down the door and found you lying on the floor. I took the Amtrak up the coast, your mom met me at the station. I went to see your house and photos of your graduation. We drove to your grave, the tombstone where you lay. Your freshman yearbooks by your bed and your rooms in disarray. Good. What do you think of me having my recording equipment take up 
three quarters of our small room in the Kimball dorm. No problem, man. I love you. I love you too, Pat. Thanks, Lars. Pat Wood, hey, that's you. <laughs> and I wish that you MC Lars with 23. Uh, you can check his stuff out once again at mclars.com and you can also uh, check out his partnership with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention at afsp.org. All right, dude, uh, multimedia triage. MMT, what have you been experiencing media wise these days? Man, I have been experiencing almost too much. One thing, uh, lately, I've been playing, I picked up Super Mario Galaxy 2 for the Wii. I've been playing that a lot with the kids. It's a lot of fun, man. Is that available on anything besides Wii? It is not. So. All right, well, then I'm not getting it. <laughs> it's a great game, though. Holy cow, it's the same kind of setup as most Mario games. So Princess Peach gets kidnapped by a giant Bowser. God, what is her problem? But this time, you actually go rocketing through the galaxy on a planetoid that's shaped like Mario's head and <laughs> go from world to world trying to collect coins and stars to uh, catch up and defeat Bowser. And, I mean, some of these levels are such eye candy, dude. The Like, the wooden levels remind you of, like, you know, the, the highly polished Labyrinth game you got on your 10th birthday. It looks oh, so yeah. great. And there are, there are glass surfaces and metal surfaces and all these different power-ups. There are these uh, cloud platforms where you can jump and actually throw down a cloud in front of you so you can land on the cloud, and it'll sit there temporarily, and you can place three of them at a time to jump to hard-to-reach places. Hmm. Really cool. Also, there's this drill power-up. It's like a drill hat you put on Mario's head, and you can bore through a planet. It's oh, so much fun. I think I put fun. the drill hat on and bore through Princess Peach. <laughs> I never get tired of using the drill hat. It's so much fun. And, I mean, there's just so much great, innovative gameplay in it. Uh, you get to finally, uh, in this game... You get to partner with Yoshi, so you get to ride around on the dinosaur, and he'll snap apples with his tongue and stuff. It's just a lot of fun, and it's real eye candy. And you can play with a uh, have a person uh, be an assistant star, so they can help you defeat uh, different villains and whatnot. And it actually makes like some of the bosses are downright just crippling, but if you have if you have somebody to help you out, it makes it pleasantly manageable. So it's a lot of fun to play with two people, and I'm having a great time with it. All right. What are you doing? Well, well you know, I've been, I've been doing some reading, and I've been doing some, some gaming, and I've been doing some, uh, some whole movie watching. I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. In fact, I am embarrassed to admit this, so it'll make a good bit. Okay. 
I finally watched the 2001 release, Itu Mama Tambien. You ever watched that movie? I think I have. Like it was a way st- back when it came out. Who's the director? Oh hell, I don't know. It was a steamy Mexican romance. Because I had to watch it, I had to watch a movie in Spanish for my Spanish class, so I picked that one. Because mm-hmm. I thought like romantic comedy, I thought it would be funny. But let me uh, thumbnail sketch of the of the movie. Opening credits, fucking. Brief dialogue, fucking. Some more dialogue. People get drunk, naked people, mm, masturbation, then road trip, <laughs> and then there's some fucking and some more fucking. And then they get in an argument, and then there's some nudity, and uh, you, you kind of get the idea. Basically, these two, like, teenage, these, like, I guess they're like 17 or 18 year old guys, their girlfriends go to Europe for the summer, and they convince this this older woman who's married to one of their cousins to go on a road trip with them because they both want a daughter. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're taking her to this beach, and it's a multi day trip, and she ends up with one guy, and then the next guy. And then the guys find out, and they get all weird. And then one guy admits to the other one, oh, by the way, I screwed your girlfriend, and they have a fight. And then the other one goes, oh, I actually had sex with your girlfriend, too. And then they have another fight. And <laughs> it's, it's just, I was like, I was incredulous watching this. Like, I can't believe I'm watching this. And then in the end, they get together with, with the woman that, they, they all drink tequila, and everything's forgiven, they have a great time, and... They go back for a, a threesome, and the two guys end up getting together. And it's like, oh, by the way, they actually loved each other the whole time. Uh, uh, yeah, I went, wah, or something <laughs> like that when I saw what was happening. Oh, and then, then like, there's, like, the post, the, the, the PS at the end. And the guys were too weirded out by their affairs, so they really never talked to each other again, except for once a year later, where one guy told the other one, yeah, remember that chick we went to the beach with? Yeah, she died of cancer like a day or two afterwards. <laughs> it's just like, what? What did I watch? And that was all in a Star Wars text scroll across the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. I just... And the, the thing that kills me is tomorrow I have Spanish class, and I know we're going to have to talk about the movie that we watched. <laughs> I don't know all those words in Spanish. <laughs> So did you did you watch it without subtitles in Spanish as a, as an exercise or uh, that I was gonna watch I watched it with subtitles but my original idea was to ignore the subtitles as best I can <laughs> it turns out as best I can is not at all because <laughs> Spanish is hard enough but watching or listening to Spanish spoke by Mexicans at full Mexican speed Spanish is just something I'm not very good at so and then on top of it it's hard to read subtitles when you're jerking it. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> I had a hard time seeing the TV around my boner. Oh, so. All right, well, I, I have a movie I need to talk about. Uh, last episode, uh, we discussed Vaughn had called in and uh, was going to send uh, over a copy of a Japanese 2009 Japanese film called Grotesque by the director Koji Shira, Shiraishi. Uh, I guess it is, and uh, so I received that last week. And finally, was there a hot Mexican threesome in it? There was not. Oh. Um, so the the film, the title is kind of what it's about. Essentially, uh, the film is about this uh, psychotic surgeon who kidnaps this couple who happen to be on their first date and takes him to this underground lab he has where. He evidently can't get off under normal means, so 
what excites him is the will of people to survive. So he proceeds to molest them first and then torture him in various disturbing ways. And that's essentially the film. There's 70 minutes of brutal, horrific torture. Yeah, I'm going to miss that. So I, I watched the first half of it. And when the surgeon started nailing four penny nails through the guy's testicles, oh. I had to, I had to skip ahead. Um, <laughs> and I kind of flipped through the film to see where it went. And in the end, so the the couple get all tortured and fucked up. He comes to a point where he says, "Ah, yes, you've satisfied me with your will to live." So. I will nurse you back to health and then let you go. So he spends about a month nursing them back to health. Then he drugs them. They wake up in the basement again. And there's this huge, disgusting, disturbing finale. And in the end, the guy gets away and is on to abducting his next couple. Great. So this film, the only reason I watched it was because it was essentially a dare. Um, I got no enjoyment out of it at all. If anything, it made me feel kind of fucked up and disturbed. And, you know, more than anything, I, I think uh, more just kind of puzzled as to what would be in someone's headspace to have them make a film like this. I mean, you know, I start to think about the things I enjoy in a film. And, I, I you know, I like gore when it's something. I, I, and I mean, you know, maybe I take gore too lightly. But if it's something like Dead Alive or a horror film where there's a certain level of fun to it, I can I can get my head around that. But I have trouble getting around my head around horrific acts or misery for the sake of misery. So this was your Dead Girl, essentially. It was, but I mean, with Dead Girl, I felt like there was a story. There was something that you were you no, wanted no, you're to find dead, out. Like it's like you, Dead Girl was for me. But there was there was with Dead Girl for me, there was still a story. And in this movie, the story wasn't there. I mean, unless it's a cultural thing that the Japanese viewer might see struggle for life and death as something different in this film. And I couldn't get that. I mean, I also, I think I mentioned once before in the episode where we interviewed Vaughn that uh, I had seen this Skinny Puppy concert where they were playing this film called uh, Flowers of Flesh and Blood in the background while the band played. And it was like this this uh, samurai guy dressed up in samurai costume who was vivisecting this girl. And this movie was clearly uh, homage to that, but it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't fun. There was nothing. I, I felt like I walked away with from that film not a better person. So I, I would not recommend that film to anybody. The, the special effects looked super real, and the acting of the, the actors put in this horrific position felt really real. But the film was supremely unpleasant. I cannot recommend it. Way to go, Vaughn. But, you know, no, I don't want to pass I have, judgment. I have no desire to I don't want to pass judgment on, you know, Vaughn. Well, pass judgment, man. You're a reviewer. Review it. Pass but your judgment. I'm, I'm like well, yeah, I'm not reviewing stone. Vaughn. I'm reviewing the film. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so. that's that's why I didn't send it to you. Because you. I knew that this, you did not, you would not want to have that in your head. I, I As your friend, I know you well enough. So Thank you. that's why the film is on its way back to Vaughn. <laughs> Good. You reading any books or anything, or are you just watching torture porn? Um, you know, I did read uh, the graphic novel series "Why the Last Man" from DC mm -hmm. Comics Vertigo. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard really good things about. I think it's that. a Brian K. Vaughn. 
is the uh, writer, and it's kind of interesting. It, there is a little bit of in towards the middle. There are a few episodes that feel kind of just shoved in to get to the ending. But in the end, as far as an arc, it's interesting. And it has a decent payoff at the end, I think. So it's well worth checking out. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite series, but I did, I did you know, it was a page turner and I enjoyed reading it. Right on. Well, I read uh, a couple of Jack Reacher novels. I read Without a Trace and the brand spanking new 61 Hours. Mm-hmm. Both really fun, traditional Jack Reacher shoot 'em up driving around or traveling around the country having adventures kind of books recommend them both especially without a trace i thought that one was a really fun book Uh, it starts out he's on a train on a subway in uh, new york and he spots this woman across the the other end of the car and she's acting like a suicide bomber she's displaying all the symptoms of a person who is going to blow herself and everyone else up but it doesn't make any sense because it's a fairly empty car, middle of the night, kind of middle of nowhere in New York. And so he walks up to her to try to defuse whatever situation he sees brewing. And she pulls out a gun and kills herself. And then from there, events spiral out of control. Good book. A lot of fun. You see, the interesting thing, I actually preferred 61 Hours out of the two. Oh, really? I thought that book was just so damn tight. I mean... Jack Reacher is uh, hitchhiking, and he gets picked up by this uh, bus full of senior citizens that's touring through South Dakota, and the bus gets in an accident, and it's in an accident that is inadvertently caused by the lawyer of a criminal that gets involved in the whole sordid case, and it's just one set piece after another, click, 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 click. The book moves along with a ton of action and suspense. I just loved it. And there's supposed to be another one following right on the heels of it this fall. Interesting. I will say no more. The book's in stores now, so yeah, it just definitely came out. pick it up. That's uh, it, 61 Hours by Lee Child. Is the, uh, yeah. And here's the other thing I've been thinking about. I, I touched on it. We both touched on it last episode. The book Savages yeah. by Dan Winslow. I would love to get the female perspective on on this book because I keep coming back to this book and thinking about it and, and here's the thing there are these two guys very very different but they're business partners um, in this marijuana business they're growing and selling large quantities of illegal marijuana they're, it's not like a medical marijuana thing getting rich and then they gotta do battle with the the Mexican mafia but they've all they've got this sidekick of sorts this woman who loves both of them, both of them love her, and there's absolutely no weirdness between the guys. It's not a love triangle. It's like a love, yeah, I don't know what, love V. The, the guys are not, don't have the hots for each other. But I, I don't know. The more I think about it, I'm like, it was, just, it was just portrayed really, really in a real straightforward way, and... I know real life is messy and relationships don't always conform to what people think they should conform with. And frankly, I had no trouble with that relationship at all. But I was thinking my wife, if she read that book, she'd probably throw it across the room. I don't know. I, I just, it's, it, like you say, it's portrayed so realistically. And her character, she's kind of a unique character as well. Yeah, she's great. And, and so, uh, you know, maybe the whole reason that that love relationship works is because 
that character is who she is. Yeah, she maybe so. She seemed super real to me. I mean, that, that did not seem like a caricature at all. That seemed like you know people I I have known. Well, just her character. Just so you know, I don't like you that way. <laughs> well, the guys the guys didn't like each other that way either. So this isn't Itu Mama Tambien. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny that you ended up with you know two threesome things in the same yeah. way. So. Huh. I, I'm kind of wondering where your head's at. I just wanted to, you know, put everything out on Front Street there for you. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> I was talking to my wife, and we're, we're pretty open-minded. We were wondering if you'd, you know, join us for uh... Yeah, I, I just can't. Thank you. No. I appreciate Busy it. that day? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were actually hoping you'd join us just to film the whole thing, because your okay. wife, your wife is coming do. over. <laughs> All right. Anyway. What else? Uh, oh, yeah. New CD came out this week. Are you familiar with the band Knockmistium? No, I am not. Okay. Knockmistium is a is a band from Chicago. I guess you'd call them black metal. Now, when I say the phrase black metal, what does that make I'm you think? I'm already falling asleep. No, seriously. What, what, like, do you understand what that means as far as, like, the style of music? Honestly, it all sounds the same to me. Once you get into the death metal, black metal, Swedish metal, metal... It's Cookie Monster and a lot of guitars going. Okay, well, to to, to kind of give an idea, so black metal is essentially it was like a Norwegian offshoot that came around after you know Venom, like a, a very more raw sort of music. Oftentimes the guitars are very trebly and kind of grinding, like uh, kind of like sheet metal sort of sounding. The, the vocals are kind of shrieked, and it's the whole thing is supposed to be very atmospheric and evil-sounding. A lot of times the lyrics are satanic or what have you. Um, and so all that together kind of is supposed to give this very evil sort of a vibe. It sounds a lot different than like a death metal, which would be a deeper-sounding pitch. So this band Knockmistium from Chicago, they take the trappings of black metal, but they sort of meld it with, like, 70s prog rock. Hmm. So last year they came out with an album called Black Metal, M-E-D-D-L-E, Volume 1, Assassins. <laughs> or two That's years funny. ago. I think it was 2008. And it's actually kind of a tribute to Pink Floyd. What they did was they melded Black Metal with Pink Floyd. And it's, to me, a very interesting music. Nobody else is making sounds like this right now. And this week, the second volume of these two came out, which is called uh, Black Metal Volume 2, Addicts. And instead of Pink Floyd this time, though, it is kind of bl black metal melded with, like, I want to say Blue Oyster Cult or Yes or other, like, 70s prog stuff. So you hear those progressive sort of chords and that, that sort of a treatment, but with, like, a harsh overtone. And then what they did vocal-wise, instead of, like, shrieks, was they took, like, you know those kind of harsh-sounding Al Jorgensen vocals off of the early Ministry records? Yeah. So it almost sounds like full of, through a bullhorn or something like that, like on Scarecrow. They use vocals like that. And it's just a really interesting, unique, original sound that they're putting together. And I found myself listening to the CD, a couple of great songs on it, uh, Nightfall, No Funeral, uh, one called Blood Trance Fusion. Spelled trance, T-R-A-N-C-E. I mean, just like some really kind of cool stuff that is really evocative and really great sounding and I haven't heard before. So I've been finding that really interesting. It's on Century Media Records and it's in stores now. All right. 
Nachmistium Black Metal Volume 2 Addict. How do you spell Nachmistium? N-A-C-H-T-M-Y-S-T-I-U-M. All right. And then last, uh, on the music front, uh, I went and saw a pretty cool show last Tuesday night. Uh, MC Chris, MC Lars and YT Cracker, and a, a chiptune duo called Math the Band. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds like a great group. It was. It was a, it was a great evening of music. MC Lars and uh, Whitey Cracker were awesome as they were when we saw them at uh, AfterCon last year. Yeah. MC Chris, obviously I'm familiar with like Fett's Vet and you know some of his music, but it, it, I have a, like a funny relationship with him. It's like I'll hear a song like Bosk on a Segway. Uh, and I'll hear it the first time, and I'm like, wow, that song's kind of dumb. And then I find myself singing... Rolling, rolling on my Segway. <laughs> I can't get, I mean, th- listening to MC Chris for me is like pissing in the Amazon. <laughs> I'm going to end got up. you like little, oh, little things that swim up your urine stream yeah, and I'm, burrow into your cock when you listen yeah, to MC Chris. his songs Chris? are like mental candiria. Wow. But yeah, it was, it was a really fun show. Uh, the tour is going to be running th- throughout June and you should really check it out because there's some great music on display. And, uh, oh, when this, the stop here it was really cool because Beefy joined uh, MC Lars and Whitey Cracker on stage, and they just tore it up. It was a blast. So, cool stuff. Right on. So, dude, oh, I almost forgot. We need to uh, talk a little bit about Hackslash number one from Is Image. it even out yet? Can it is. people it, read that or just hit, cool people like us? It hit comic book stores this week. And a uh, good friend to the show, Tim Seeley, was kind enough to give us a little preview. So, we checked it out this last week. And what would you think, man? Oh, it was cool. It was, it was, uh, first of all, the artwork was spot on excellent. And the story was, uh, it was kind of, kind of reserved, nice character building. It wasn't a big in your face, but it had some nice payoff to it. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, and it was actually darker than, uh, Hackslash usually is. You kind of forget how much humor Vlad brings to the piece. Because mm-hmm. it was pretty dark and pretty bleak. I mean, she's in a bad place as a teen. Cassie Yeah, is. I don't want my kids dating her as a teen. <laughs> and, you know, even when she when she has, like, a moment of, you know, sort of normality, it doesn't seem to last. No, not long. So, uh, yeah, a great intro to the character. And I got to say, I'm really excited to read more. Tim Seeley kicks ass, though. What, he what does. Can you say? Much ass is kicked by that man. Absolutely. So, pack slash number one, my first maniac from Image Comics at your local comic store now. So that's what I got this week, man. Did you have anything else? I got nothing. I'm gonna go see Nickel Slots later on this week. Really cool. You have to yeah. tell us all how that goes. All right. I'd love to see them live sometime. I've seen them live before. I'll see them live again. Yeah, you might remember the Nickel Slots from episode 33 of the Bone Show. Now, is it okay if I go see a band that's not uh, Nerdcore? Because that seems to be all we're talking about these days. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so our Nerdcore trilogy, we're going to wrap this up for the time being. So if you don't like Nerdcore, thanks for patiently bearing with us. Next show will be something completely different. Oh, good. And I do do know it. So speaking of something different, how about some filthy jokes? All right, filthy jokes. I don't know if it's so much a filthy joke or as a, a personal account, but my wife and I took my kid to the circus. And uh, I guess when I went to go buy the popcorn, my kid was talking to my wife and said, uh, Mom, what's that, that long thing on the elephant? So she told him, that, oh, that's the elephant's trunk. So no, no, Mom, down underneath. So she sees that he's talking about the elephant schlong, and she kind of 
So that, that's nothing. So I came back, and she went off to get a soda because I forgot the drinks. And as soon as she left, my kid turned to me, and he, he repeated the question. He's like, what's that thing on the elephant? And I told him, well, it's his trunk. No, oh, Dad, I know, I know what the elephant's trunk is. That thing down there. Oh, oh, that. Yeah, that's the elephant's penis. You go, Dad, how come when I asked Mom, she said it was nothing? So I took a deep breath, and I go, well, son, here's the truth. I really spoiled that woman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. So one night, the mother superior's cleaning up around the convent, and she hears a knock on the front door. So she walks and she opens the front door and she looks around and doesn't see anybody there. And before she closes the door, she happens to peer down and she sees two tiny leprechauns standing on the front step of the convent. And, and so she's, she's just kind of shocked. And one of the leprechauns says to her, Mother Superior, could you please tell me, do you have any leprechaun nuns here in the convent? And the Mother Superior shakes her head. And the, the second leprechaun looks at her. Well, what about in the church? Might you have leprechaun nuns in the church then? No, boys, I'm afraid we don't. The first leprechaun then asks one more time. Well, then, could it be that you don't have any leprechaun nuns in the entire parish, mother? No, no, I'm afraid we don't. The first leprechaun turns and slaps the other leprechaun in the back. See, I told you, laddie, you've been fucking a penguin. <laughs> You weren't paying attention. You cocksucker. You were not. I was, the joke the punchline caught more, you by surprise. The joke is a lot funnier if you tell it with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And at the end, all the dwarves are asking at the end. They, they start laughing. Go, dopey, fucked up penguin. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> You're disappointed in me because you told I rolled out an Irish joke. It was a piss poor version. I thought my Irish accent was believable. It was lilting and lovely. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, we would like to thank MC Lars uh, once again for joining us on the show. Also, I'd like to thank uh, Z from Hipster Please blog and Hipster Free Radio, who made a promo special for us at the start of the show. Thank you very much, sir. So, Radio Free Hipster, uh, if you are, since obviously we're going to be laying off the Nerdcore for a couple of episodes, that is the place to go for all your Nerdcore listening needs. He's got Nerdcore rap, chip tunes, stuff like Jonathan Colton, kind of nerd folk. He's got all kinds of great music there, and he comes up with the most amazing remixes. And the, the really great thing about Radio Free Hipster is you never know what you're going to get. It has this absolute mixtape quality that makes it just utterly cool so please by all means check that podcast out yeah and it's not like one of those crappy mixtapes you got from your girlfriend that you have to listen to in your car just to make her happy no this is good stuff man. yeah there's zero tears for fears on that <laughs> show, <so. laughs> no no uh, sting fortress around your heart no none of that no. not even any uh divinals thank god <laughs> hey hey wait a minute <laughs> usual bullshit the usual bullshit our show number is 425-296-6557 if you'd like to leave any feedback or opinions or questions for just ask gord by all means leave them here you can reach us via email at steve at bonehand.com and i've got new content on bonehand.com every sunday keep a ear peeled for a new project that i'm going to have coming in the next week or two 
It's going to be cool. Thank you. And uh, what about me? I'm posting a new cartoon every week on MightyWombat.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. And I write a monthly column still in DavisLifeMagazine.com. You can cool. also follow me on Twitter. I am Bonehand there. He's Mighty Wombat, Mighty underscore Wombat. Or we also have a Bonebat feed just for show and film festival info. So you can hit we that do? as well. We do. Wow. We're huge. All right. You can also join the Bonebat forums. And if you like what we do, we appreciate reviews on iTunes, votes on Podcast Alley, or tell a friend. Or tell uh, an enemy. Don't forget Film Fest tickle, tickets. Tickles. <laughs> Film Fest Ticklets. That's right. Steve will show up to your house and tickle you if you buy a ticket. I will. Uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, closing tune tonight is Hey There, Ophelia from This Gigantic Robot Kills. And that's all I've got. This is Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
songs about virginity gone. She's honest, but she's crazy. And she says, screw that, forget about that. I don't want to think about anything like that. Screw that, forget about that. I don't want to know about anything like that. I've got nothing to do but hang around and get screwed up. I'm talking to skulls. We've got murder and incest. Who said Shakespeare was dull? My girlfriend took her life, and I'm like, goodness gracious. Her brother wants to duel. Larratees is too pugnacious. My uncle dipped the tip of the saber in poison. Two time. Poison the cup that my mom started enjoying. Two time. I stabbed with a poison sword. Then I stabbed my girlfriend's brother. And then I stabbed my uncle, and we've all killed each other. To be or not to be, well, I guess that solves that one. And I would have stayed in Wittenberg if I'd known that this would happen. But if you're ever up in Denmark on a moonlit night, you'll hear Ophelia's sad song when the full moon's bright. Baby, I'm sorry I messed up. Good night, my sweet princess. May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. And they sing, I've got nothing to do but hang around and get And, uh, and that's that's when I let you know. Well, I asked if you were paying attention want... because I couldn't fathom that you wouldn't have thought that that joke was funnier. It was intrinsically funny. But you fathom it now. It's don't like you, you finding a big nugget of gold and saying, "Yeah, it's just not gold enough for me." But it's pure gold. No, 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 no it's like finding a big nugget of booger in your cereal. If you had, if you had, what? Aren't you paying attention to your cereal? If well, frankly, you had polished a it a little better, maybe it would have been, you know. Maybe if you could make it a Mordor ring for me. <laughs> Mordor ring. <laughs> what about one of the three rings that the elf lords <laughs> got that weren't used for malice? Yeah, maybe if you would have, you know, wisdom. made your joke into that, then I would have liked it. Because your ring was like one of the dark rings, not the one. Not You're the such one a powerful fucking, ring. You take so much management i swear to god <laughs> i do you're fucking high. so much hand holding you're a high maintenance co-host <laughs> yeah i 